everyone. Welcome to the Innovation Game, a podcast by IP firm Potter Clarkson. I'm Emmy Hunt, and in this episode, I'm joined by Mark Kramer, a partner in our litigation and licensing team. So, Mark, it's almost Christmas. And the reason I know it's almost Christmas is because there's been a slew of Christmas adverts on TV. And I noticed that uh, one of the favourite Christmas adverts, the John Lewis Christmas advert, has been attracting some criticism and some complaints. Um, mostly in relation to what I understand to be copyright claims. Can you give us a little bit of background and explain what might be going on there, please? So uh, it says too much about me that I learn of the John Lewis adverts from copyright complaints and not from watching terrestrial TV. So I hadn't seen this until I heard about the issue. But I understand that the current John Lewis advert has a version of a song originally by the Human League and uh, together in Electric Dreams, but that a third party, an old folk band called The Portraits, had released a version of this for charity last year, and they are claiming that the John Lewis version is an infringement of their copyright in their version of the song, which is interesting. We haven't heard anything from the, the original authors of the Human League, but uh, yeah, so that's what's going on, and John Lewis deny it as far as I'm aware. How does that work then? How can you have copyright in a version of a song? What what is the what's the copyright work that we're looking at? So we we are literally looking at the copyright in their interpretation of of the song and their musical arrangement of the song rather than the original copyright. So when you do a, a, a version of something you create copyright in that version that sits on top of the original copyright in the original work. And so John Lewis will presumably have already paid one set of royalties or license fees to the original creator of the work? Absolutely. It would have to be honest, I have just presumed, but it, it seems unbelievable that it wouldn't be true that they have gone to whoever the owners of that copyright are now whoever has taken an assignment or manages that for commercially for the original authors and asked for a license in order to use the song in their advert to use the original song in their advert and they will have said to them that they're going to do a new version of it so if you go back to you know the claim by the portraits what would they need to show in order to show in order to be able to successfully claim copyright infringement what's what, what are the tests that we're looking at well, fundamentally, what it comes down to is, have, has it been copied? Have John Lewis or the creators of the advert in writing uh, the new song and performing the new song, have they copied that specific musical arrangement or version of the song? Now, how you do that is a more difficult question. So copyright is infringed by copying a substantial part of the original work. Sometimes that's very easy. Sometimes you have an absolute and identical copy of the whole thing, the whole of the original work, and you can clearly show that somebody has has done that. Uh, they've, they've used a photograph that they shouldn't have used, for example. Situations like this where the, the rights are more nuanced and the use is more nuanced, the, the test that you would go through is you would pay a musicologist to do an assessment, do an analysis at a professional level of the two tracks, and they would opine about whether or not it was likely that one was a copy of the other or there was a coincidence involved because when things are coincidentally the same they're not copies 
And having done that, you would also have to show that John Lewis had had access to the original work. But in this case, when I say original, I mean the portraits version. And that would be the starting point in proving to the court or proving in front of the court that copying had occurred. So look, they had access to this and their version is very similar to our version in a professional sense uh, as blessed by musicologist. And therefore, we think copying has occurred. And then, I know that you can't speak for John Lewis, but what do you think John Lewis is, um, and what's that counter-argument likely to be? The, I mean, the counter-argument is you're coming from the same source. They're always going to be similar. And they're going to say, well, no, we, we licensed uh, the original song and, and we came up with our own version. And it's purely coincidence. And you, you get back to the you know, an infinite number of monkeys with an infinite number of uh, typewriters writing great works of Shakespeare. Copyright is about copying. If it wasn't copied, it's not an infringement. Okay. I think there's an argument, isn't there, that, um, that the portraits had sent their recording to John Lewis um, and whether that was likely to change the outcome of this or how, you know, whether the circumstances of that would, would, ha- would affect things. Yes, I mean, that goes to the access point. As I said, the, the two pillars you base your copyright argument on are that they are very similar and that the alleged infringer had access. So that goes to that, that point that uh, John Lewis had access to this. Now, it's always a difficult one because in a, in a claim, John Lewis is a legal personality uh, as, a, as a partnership here. Let's regard them as a legal personality. They're not a monolith. And the fact that one element of them was aware doesn't mean the, the person who generated the advert and the music for the advert had copied. Now, probably, well, undoubtedly, this would have been something that John Lewis outsourced. There isn't a person sitting in John Lewis, well, I'd be very surprised, who, who just has a job making Christmas adverts and writing music for them. So, um, that would be a great job. <laughs> it, would, it, would be, it would be a great job. On, on one level, but uh, on another level, spending your life working out how to emotionally manipulate the <laughs> British public every 12 months, I don't know. I think it would be uh, soul-destroying on, on another level. So, so, but that's what it comes down to, is as the person who has created the, the copy in inverted commas, have they had access to it? And that's always difficult. It's so common in music cases for the the small, the David in these David and Goliath cases, to say, well, I sent them a cassette. I sent them the master copies, but um, these organisations must receive huge numbers mm-hmm. of these things. Uh, and they probably sit in unopened emails or envelopes, um, the majority of them. Mm-hmm. So. Obviously, John Lewis has got its legal, um, you know, the legal side of the argument to worry about, but there's a there's, there's other consequences, aren't there, in terms of the, the brand and, you know, what damage this does to John Lewis, because this isn't the only claim that they've had recently. Yes, there's a, a, a claim from the 2019 advert in relation to the, the narrative. There's a woman who wrote a, a children's book called Excitable Edgar and, and self-published that. And she claims that narrative has been copied by... Uh, John Lewis in the, the 2019 advert. The difficulty for, for John Lewis is, 
as you said, there is a legal argument and there's a, an argument that occurs in the, the forum of public opinion. John Lewis is an organisation which, to my mind, and I don't know if you agree with this, but I, I see John Lewis in large part as having a brand that endorses several other products that it it doesn't sell itself, or mm-hmm. it, it sells, but on behalf of third parties. And therefore, the, the cashier of its brand is... is, is core to its success. You know, you buy something from John, John Lewis because John Lewis has put the effort in to mm-hmm. assess whether or not that is of a good enough quality for John Lewis customers. Yeah. And so you don't have to think about it. If if John Lewis gets a reputation for being a little fast and loose, that could be hugely hugely damaging. I mean this must be something for, for you as a as a, a trademark attorney that you have to advise clients on all the time in that that Yeah, I think that's definitely right. I think you know where you have if you had a, if you had a client like John Lewis who was experiencing, you know, trademark enforcement issues, then their position is much stronger as a result of them having such a strong reputation in the market. So I think to start um, to start diminishing that reputation is um, is risky for them in terms of you know their future, the options that are available to them in the future for, for enforcement issues and that kind of thing. So yeah, I can definitely see how um, you know from a legal point of view that. That's damaging for them. But I also would think, you know, that any any kind of large retailer at, at Christmas wants to be avoiding any kind of um, reputational um, issue, and you know, to be attracting attention for the wrong sorts of reasons is is, is pretty bad, isn't it? And it's I don't know. I, th- I think you know the John Lewis Christmas advert is just such a it's a thing in its own right, isn't it? So they have to get it right. I mean, I think the the, the difficulty is, and I, I I feel for John Lewis, I really do. And, and obviously, we we can't speak to the merits of the actual case because it's a it will turn on on the facts has copying occurred or not, both of the cases. But really, when you're creating something like this, you've got two extreme options. One is you take the person who's going to generate that advert and try to put them in some kind of white room where they are not exposed to anything and they come up with something and they can say, look, I, I was sitting in a box when I came up with that. How could I possibly copy it? That's a really difficult thing to say. I mean, even subconscious copying is, is copying sufficient for infringement. All. And, you know, we all live in operated world, so how could you do that? On another level, you could chase down all of the, the different places where people may think they have got enough of a claim to come after you and, and get them in advance. I mean, with, with the portraits, the charity record, you could have, you if you knew they were there and there was a possibility, you could have tried to do this in collaboration with them, for example, and say, look, we're very supportive of this charity as well, so we're going to have a Christmas advert. It's going to have this song, and, and for every for every time the advert's played, we're going to provide this much money to the charity. But again, that's difficult because... You, you're saying that John Lewis would have to manage a whole series of arguments, a whole series of cases that other people don't know. I haven't expressed that very well, but John Lewis has to has to cover off that risk, and it it has, you know, uh, don't want to sound like Donald Rumsfeld, but it has the knowns, but it also has the unknown unknowns. How does it work out? Which again is a bit like a trademark situation where you can when you're clearing uh, a trademark and mm. um, there is clearing a trademark and saying to a client here are 
the registered rights that are in this space. Yeah. But you always have those unregistered rights and you can never be a hundred percent certain, can you? So I say, yeah, I, I see what you mean, but I think um well it seems to me that because Christmas adverts are you know becoming more and more popular and they attract so much media attention and particularly the John Lewis one. And these claims seem to be um, coming every year, not just not just against John Lewis. That maybe they should be doing more to make sure that they're um, that they're less likely to attract that sort of attention. I don't know if you agree that there's anything else that they can do. I think there are there are there are two things. One is that relationship between the, the advertising agency that's generating the, these these adverts, and, and John Lewis understands, and I'm sure it does. But as as an example. Uh, John Lewis understanding that although it may be the legal responsibility of the advertising agency to clear the advert and make sure that it has the uh, the IP rights or the freedom for to, to use what it has, the reputation is going to be predominantly damaged as John Lewis. I mean, obviously, an advertising agency that gets a reputation from uh, infringing third-party rights is is not going to do so well in the advertising agency marketplace, but. But John Lewis, it's going to, it's always going to be measured and assessed in the, in the, you know, the form of public opinion, especially mm-hmm. with this Christmas advert, where it's so, as you say, it's so iconic. So there is all of all of that to consider. The second thing that John Lewis needs to consider, which is, it's a little more uncomfortable, I think, is every time it has one of these cases come out and it settles those cases, especially as the Coming, you know, I think this is the third one in the last few years. Then you might be encouraging people to try it on with you, and, and say to you, "Ah, John Lewis settled easily," and um, although actually they probably didn't copy, or you know, I, I can't tell if they copy. There are similarities, and and have a go. And that's a difficult place for John Lewis to be because, on one hand, it needs to protect its reputation in the public as a reputable retailer, or in the UK, really, as the reputable mainstream retailer. And it also needs to make sure it doesn't look like a soft touch, uh, which means it, it, needs to, it needs to probably fight some of these, uh, which, which may be why the one regarding Sankt has been going for a couple of years, and as the proceedings have only just been issued, is my understanding. So, so it sounds like the issues aren't, aren't really going to go away, and that maybe... Christmas adverts are going to continue to be, um, you know, a source of future claims or future news stories, at least for for a few years to come. As I said, it's always going to be risky. If I was John Lewis, I would be doing my best to affiliate my Christmas advert with some charitable organisation that was endorsing things like the music, so that it was really difficult for somebody to to take a punt at that, say, and challenge challenge my use in a anywhere because people are more relaxed about going after a retailer than they are yeah, charity. Yeah, and and rightly so. But yeah, I think thing needs it probably needs to improve its DD. It's difficult to say from where we're sitting, but yeah. um, it, it needs to do its best to make sure next time that it absolutely is free to use what it's using. Maybe you could write with you know use original songs, for example. As opposed to slowed down, whiny versions of, <laughs> of, uh, of old songs. Fair enough. Do you think this is a problem that's unique to John Lewis or any particular retailers? Uh, no, it's not a it's not a problem that's unique to John Lewis. And you know, I hope I haven't been too 
too critical of them. It's a difficult area and you just need to look at the different cases that have happened uh, around the world, Katy Perry, Blurred Lines, um, to see that in relation to Katy Perry, reputable artists, I wouldn't want to say that about Blurred Lines, uh, have these have these issues and have to walk a title between robustly defending their rights and, and not getting involved in unnecessary and expensive litigation. So, you know, it, it is a, it's a hard thing to deal with, absolutely. So. Well, thanks very much, Mark. And thank you, everyone, for listening to us talk about Christmas things, even though it's still only November. Hopefully you can join us for another instalment of the Innovation Game theme. Thanks, then. Bye. Bye.